Let's talk esports betting here on the Esports Network podcast in partnership with Reuters. I'm your host, Mitch Dreams, and today we are talking to Blaine Graboyes. He's the CEO of GameCo. Blaine, how are you doing? I'm great, Mitch. Thank you for uh, having me on board. Glad to contribute. Blaine's one of those uh, experts in esports betting who's been pushing this industry forward for quite a few years and seeing a recent explosion. Over the years, he's been the inventor of the video game gambling machine, or VMG, which combines the fun and interactivity of video games with the thrill and anticipation of gambling. He also co-founded the Game Agency, an independent esports production company, which was acquired in 2017. He's an award-winning executive producer and game designer with over 20 years' experience developing digital entertainment, and he's produced over 4,000 projects, that's an absurd number, for world-renowned entertainment, business, and fine arts clients such as Blizzard, Ubisoft, DreamWorks, Mattel, Sony, Disney, Nickelodeon, and more. As CEO of GameCo, he's been focusing on esports betting, including a recent partnership with data provider Grid to bring esports betting to digital platforms and eventually to the casino floors. Last month, I hosted a panel for Esports Insider, which included Blaine and some other leading voices on esports betting. How have you been since that panel, Blaine? I've been great. It's been so busy, even though we're working from anywhere at GameCo. We've been producing more games this year for our land-based business than ever before. We are just getting ready to launch our land-based casino esports product that hopefully we could talk a little bit about. And the demand for digital products, particularly around esports betting, is just off the charts. Absolutely. Esports betting is having a huge moment. Obviously, sports have been basically on hold for the last three months. We're starting to see a few come back. Uh, Premier League Soccer recently made a return without crowds. NASCAR making a return, but still many sports on hold. And during that time, casinos and sports books have turned to esports in a large way. So tell me a little bit about that product that you're you're working on. We'll start there before we jump into esports betting on a much wider scale. Sure. Well, in our land-based business, as you mentioned, we launched the first video game gambling machines or VGM. These are skill-based games that go into land-based retail casinos. Everything we've done to date is single-player games. So you play a sports game, a casual game, a fighting game, an action game, but you're playing your own skill against the house. With our new multiplayer arena, it brings esports directly to the casino floor. So what it does is it networks together our individual VGM machines. Typically, an installation will be between four and eight machines. You want to have two, four, eight, because that's how you run brackets. Mm -hmm. And we have three gameplay modes. So it still supports our single player mode. If you want to play by yourself, fine. It also supports what we call multiplayer challenge mode. This is where up to eight players play head to head against each other. House takes a rake and the winner gets the pot. And these are all kinds of games, sports games, fighting games, casual games. And then we also have what we call tournament mode. So these are bracketed tournaments, exactly like professional esports events, and they're run directly on the casino floor for cash or prizes. The first of the games is a new version of our all-star hoops. Coming up soon after that is Soul Calibur 2 Casino Edition from Bandai Namco, which will be the first ever AAA video game on the casino floor. And what we're excited about with Multiplayer Arena along with our esports betting products is 
casinos have been really interested in esports, but there hasn't really been a way for them to monetize it. They've been hosting events in their showrooms and arenas, but that's really a rental model similar to having a conference or a wedding. What Gameco's casino esports products do is give casinos a way to monetize and attract esports fans and competitors directly in their gaming business. So it's a really exciting development, both for Gameco and for our casino partners. That's really cool. And betting on video games, especially the sports simulations, has been a tenant of video games for a very long time. Remember in college, we had a whiteboard designated only to tallies of who beat who else in FIFA 2K Madden. And then at the end of the term, if you won more games than you lost against that specific person, they had to pay you 20 bucks. We did that every single time we lived together. But your way sounds a little more professional and a little better for the casinos getting involved as well. So what we expect with Multiplayer Arena is on a typical weekday night, it's going to be friends who are coming to the casino for you know, gaming or non-gaming activities, and they're going to want to you know, play casually, but competitively for money. And then on, let's say, a Friday or Saturday night, we will work with the casino as well as esports tournament operators, leagues and teams to host more organized events. So, you know, we've built the multiplayer arena product for a wide variety of implementations with both locals and Vegas strip casinos in mind. We took a lot of input from our casino operating partners to make sure we were building a product that solved a real problem for them, which was how to monetize esports in gaming, but do it with the broadest possible audience. It's a great product because I wish there were more ways for me to co compete against my friends on a casino floor. If you look at all the different staples of casinos, you've got sports betting where you're against the house, you've got... Uh, slots against the machine you've got blackjack against the house craps against the house and then poker is like the only one where you get to compete against other players but you have to take it so seriously that it almost it, it i i struggle to sit down at a poker table when i've had a few drinks and i'm feeling good because i know i'm not going to be playing very well and so i'd love a game that allows me to compete against my friends take it pretty seriously uh, you put some money on the line, but also not have to worry about my poker face and make sure I'm playing optimally at all times. Poker is not a relaxing game in casinos. So I like that competition aspect. I think it's something that casinos are missing. Yeah, thanks, Mitch. We were trying to fill a gap that's out there. I love slot machines and the various slot tournament products are amazing. They're also pretty complex to set up. Casinos are only running them from time to time. So the idea behind our challenge mode was players can self-organize on the floor. When you walk up to a bank of machines, one person can choose to play single player, a pair or three or four or five can choose to play head to head. You're going to meet people there and challenge them on a casual basis. So it's really been designed with an enormous amount of flexibility in mind for the casino operator. And like I mentioned earlier, if on a Friday or Saturday night, they want to run a league, that's a great promotion for them to be able to reach out and engage with the Gen X and millennial audience 
which isn't necessarily a slot player in today's casino. Yeah, the the casino audience is is aging up a little bit, and it does help to bring in these different aspects of video game and video game culture to make sure that you know the young twenty somethings are still being catered to constantly. We had a running joke uh, up along I five. There's a retirement home that has a shuttle to one of the few casinos in Oregon. And it just runs every 15 minutes from this retirement home back to the casino. And it's interesting look at some of the old school casino demographics and how that needs to change a little bit and attract some younger crowds. And we've seen that with our products. So we completed a very extensive data analysis of multiple years of data from multiple casinos in different jurisdictions. And the fact that I love the most to share is that 81% of the spending on Gameco's VGM games was from Gen X and millennial players, 21 to 49. And that compared to only 21% of spending from the same demographic on slot machines. So this is a way for the casino to attract and monetize a different audience. Again, slots are amazing and they're not going to go away but there's definitely room for diversification of the games on the floor. And what it ends up doing is bringing in new audiences with new games that monetize in a different way without cannibalizing slot machines. And that's one of the amazing things about what Gameco is offering in our land-based business. And to start talking a little bit about what we're doing in digital and esports, we see the same trends and benefits there the ability on mobile or desktop, and most of this activity is mobile, about 80% in video game gambling for iGaming casinos and esports betting as well. Absolutely. Let's talk a bit about esports betting. Uh, Like we mentioned at the top of the podcast, having a massive moment, you were recently quoted in a New York Times article about the rise of esports betting. How have you seen attitude shift? I know you've been in this space for quite a long time. And after talking with some of the other leaders in esports betting, Seth Shore, uh, Brett from UNLV, who were on that panel, I've heard that it's been sort of a slow increase in esports betting. How have you seen that shift during the pandemic? So certainly the last few months have seen a very big increase in the interest and handle and activity in esports betting. Uh, Some of the most recent stats that I've seen, 61% month over month increase from February to March. I think as we see April, May, June numbers come out, we'll see similar month over month growth in terms of handle on esports betting. But one of the things that I've liked to focus on as I've, I've spoken about the growth in the market is It is awesome that we are seeing this growth. Unfortunately, it's being caused by the global pandemic. But what I think is a really interesting trend isn't just the growth in esports betting from people that were already esports fans. It's the ability to reach out to a wider audience and grow the base of people that are watching esports and therefore are betting on esports. If the only thing that comes out of this is we increase the handle from those people that were already involved in the industry, it's not going to create the kind of systemic, sustainable growth that we can achieve. And what we're going to need to do to do that is to reach out and educate more people about the genres of games, the specific games, 
how you can bet on them, and what sports betting means in general. We're bringing a lot of people into sports betting that wouldn't necessarily be interested in betting on, let's say, traditional football or basketball, but now we're getting into it because of the growth of betting around esports. Absolutely. You need that first game where you really understand the meta and what teams are great because ultimately you want to bet on sports, one, to provide a little bit more thrill, but two, because you feel like you know enough that you could actually place a wager down with some thought process behind it. And after you've bet on a few games, you realize that, hey, you probably don't know as much as you want and you can start betting on some other things that you aren't as confident in. But it really does take that first game. For me, it was basketball and specifically college basketball uh, that got me to put my first bet down. And now I'm betting most Sundays for the football season. I do some futures for the MLB season. Things I'm definitely never going to have the edge on the house on or at least perceived edge on the house. But it is important to have that one passion point where you feel like you can really put a bet down and be successful. And for a lot of the younger generation, that's in esports, that's in League of Legends, that's in CSGO, where they follow it so closely and they see casinos starting to offer lines and they're like, well, I might, I, I think I, I think I have a, a good idea of who could win that. And so I'm going to put some money down, but then it leads into more and more competitions over time as people get the thrill of sports betting. It's just so much fun. I totally agree, Mitch. And one of the opportunities that I see out there and Gameco is is collaborating on, I started my career in film and TV, so I always think back to media and entertainment. And there's such an opportunity to create content around esports and esports betting to make it more accessible to a wider audience. And so definitely we're working on some programs, but I'm sure there are going to be other ones out there as well. I mean, for the last decade, I've brought so many people from outside of the industry to events for Dota or League or CSGO. And unfortunately, a lot of these games are fairly impenetrable to outsiders. They're so fast paced and rightfully so the casters and the events are set up for the existing fans. But there is an opportunity to bring in, as we would say, the noobs and have a way to broaden the understanding of these games I mean, what I always say about the MOBA games is these are sci-fi movies. They just don't have the directorial vision that, let's say, Star Wars does to get you into the action. And there are ways to do that now to bring the viewer into the game, explain the play-by-play, and do it in a way that builds new fans for these events. It's absolutely one of the biggest hurdles in the way of esports growth, along with the short player careers. But that accessibility to the casual fan, most people that watch football on a Sunday have not laced up cleats and actually played a game, but they understand what's happening. And right now, esports are basically capped at people that are either currently playing the game or have played the game a bit in the past. And there's even some games, Overwatch is a great example, where I've played, you know, 50, 60 hours of Overwatch, never been one of the games I've really grinded, and I watch their competitions, and I'm kind of lost at a lot of points. And when you're an esports journalist, a gamer for your entire life, and you're watching the competition and aren't entirely sure what's going on, it's a problem in bringing people in and continuing to grow esports in the way that we all hope it continues to grow. So I definitely agree. There's some interesting production challenges there, but if they're solved 
would allow esports to really experience the growth it's due to experience. Absolutely. And we're seeing that uh, now. And as I said, Gameco and I are working on some some programming that'll really uh, open up and help explain the different esport games and the different ways to bet on them to a larger audience. And a, a corollary to this is working with regulators to help them understand the opportunities in esports. And I think one of the things that Gameco has been very successful at is building a new different kind of game, bringing video game gambling to casinos, but doing it under existing statutes and regulations and standards. And there's absolutely a way to do the same thing with esports. And one of the things that we'd like to see, and I mentioned it in that New York Times article, are more states and more regulators adopting what we would call white lists. So pre-approved events that are opening open to wagering on esports and are known in advance. And that's going to really help build the uh, audience and market for this, because if we have to submit an event to a regulator, mm-hmm. a lot of these esports events aren't necessarily on a regularly scheduled season. The specific dates to launch or end a series might change. And this is all information that you need to get the event approved. So a great example of that is Colorado, who I think has taken a real leadership position in esports betting. They've come up with a very strong whitelist of events that are already approved. They further have the ability to work with them to expand that. And that's going to create a really great market in Colorado for esports betting. I understand why some other regulators are taking a different approach, but ultimately I think given a greater amount of oversight when it comes to integrity and glad to talk about that a little bit as well more professionalism of the teams leagues tournament organizers and professional uh, publishers as well as more official sanctioned data directly from the publisher league and of course these are things that gameco is very focused on in our partnership with grid that's going to continue to grow the market because we need to know months or quarters in advance, what events are going to be available for wagering so that we can do the right level of promotion, marketing, and user acquisition against that to be able to have a profitable business for everyone. Absolutely. And when you talk about accessibility of betting competitions, having those pre-approved competitions is really key because a lot of people want to think about their bets in advance or do futures. At the start of Worlds, they want to place uh, an underdog pick on one team to win the whole thing. That's where a lot of people get their start in betting. It's, oh, I'm going to pick this team early on, and we're going to see how they do. Once you move on to the game-by-game competitions, that's usually for more seasoned bettors who are looking for individual lines, individual uh, events like that. And so having those pre-approved competitions helps casual bettors get into it a little further. Everyone loves to put you know, the plus 700 plus 800 on a team at the start of a tournament, it just feels better than trying to, to hit your margin on a favorite or a, or an over under on one specific game. Those future bets are just more fun, at least in my opinion. And I feel like talking to some other people who are casual sports bettors, they're also inclined to jump on those long-term competitions. So having those white spaces where it's like, okay, for the 
Flashpoint coming up or the ESL Pro League, you can place a bet now and you know that that competition is going to continue throughout this whole season. Absolutely. I, I would say that's one of the most in, uh, exciting types of bets. And then the other big one is in-play yeah. betting, you know, being able to make a bet on the next event in a game. And that's, again, where having access to official data from the sanctioning body that's highly granular, highly accurate, and in real time is so important to be able to build and support these markets. And that's, again, one of the reasons Gameco is so excited about our partnership with Grid, because they've put together just an amazing catalog of data on the most popular games in esports betting with that level of granularity and accuracy that's needed to support these types of more interesting and in some cases exotic bet types on esports. Yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense in what we look at for esports betting. You mentioned integrity. Let's go into that a little bit because that is one of the hurdles, again, standing in the way is this perception of esports, not a faulty perception necessarily. The history of esports back when people weren't making a ton of money had a lot of questionable circumstances. Match fixing, especially in South Korea, StarCraft. People uh, did jail time for fixing matches. CSGO in 2015. And even recently with a player uh, for the Rogue Warriors in the League of Legends Pro League over in China uh, getting caught match fixing and being fined an absurd amount of money. But there is a definite change in this professionalization. The new franchise leagues are making it so players are not nearly as incentivized to possibly throw a match. It's way harder to, to make them take that risk. Who are some of the key players in making sure this integrity is being met? And how is that helping regulators feel more comfortable about esports betting? I think that's a, a great topic, Mitch, and we could talk about it <laughs> for a long time because it, it is super important. You know, Gameco and I are a licensed and regulated company. I believe as of today, we're licensed in some 25 jurisdictions, including Nevada. So we take this incredibly seriously. And what I like is that we are seeing integrity structures coming top down, bottom up, and through third-party uh, partnerships. So from a top-down perspective, as you mentioned, you have these um, leagues that are being built, you know, uh, great examples, what Activision's doing with the franchise leagues on Call of Duty and Overwatch. In that case, there is a, you know, great deal of aligned interest from the publisher to ensure that there is integrity in the leagues and events and wagering that are happening on it. I think you're also seeing a lot from the bottom up with players and teams and team owners. And part of that is aligning with professional sports as well, where you've had a lot of professional sports owners come in and buy teams. And a lot of that comes down to just treating the players as professionals themselves, better salaries, better benefits, better profit sharing. If there's no incentive for a player to cheat or match fix, they're simply not going to do it. And then you have great third parties. Gameco is aligned with ESIC, Ian Smith, who's the commissioner there at the Esports Integrity Commission, is doing an amazing job of bringing together stakeholders in the industry, monitoring events in real time, being able to send out suspicious bet alerts, 
and work with the publishers, leagues, and betting operators to be able to manage and shut down markets. And this is all coming through alignment around the opportunity in esports betting. So one of the stats that I love to talk about when I'm out in the industry is we all talk about esports being a quote unquote big industry, a $1.1 billion worldwide industry. But the reality is only $116 million of that $1.1 billion is consumer spending. The rest of it is corporate spending and sponsorship, publishing and media rights. And that's great for the business, but what's gonna grow the industry is consumer spending. But if you look at the consumer spending on esports betting, it is 75 times bigger than the consumer spending on all other esports. That is clearly where the consumer wants to be engaged and spend their dollars. So the more that we support integrity in our industry, the more we're going to see that handle grow from consumer spending on esports betting. The consumer spending aspect is really interesting in esports, and you have, you know, quite a few avenues that exist in sports for people to spend money on, on sporting events that don't exist in esports. Activision Blizzard was trying to solve that a little bit with the Home and Away series, where they'd go to all these different cities and sell tickets for the events. Now the coronavirus had other plans for them, uh, but there's also cable and commercials esports fans have it so easy i call them spoiled because they are they get all their content for free and there's very few commercials there's the occasional sponsored product on stream but the actual commercials if you look at a sports fan who pays however many probably a hundred bucks a month for cable i don't even know i i had cut my cable subscription three years ago um, i don't even know how much it costs anymore but you paid for it and then you also get 20 minutes of ad for every 40 minutes of action, plus your sponsored activations. You just look at how much money and brands a sports fan puts up with, and you look at an esports fan who has none of that. And it's not a shock to me that consumer spending is so low, but esports betting provides that one aspect of you can't do this for free. Betting is inherently going to cost you money, which means it's a huge growth sector for esports as a whole, and something that I think we see esports companies embrace even more even quick more quickly than sports leagues and teams have embraced sports betting for that reason because it's so important for esports growth and it's one way to get consumers to start spending more money i think that's a great point mitch and i've been involved as i mentioned earlier in the media industry for a long time and i've seen the trends happening let's just say in ad rates for tv versus ad rates online and you could say, well, Google and Facebook have done a great job building multi-billion dollar businesses around online advertising, and they certainly have. But the monetization in digital is just completely different than the monetization in an analog world. And that's where innovation comes from and where innovation drives opportunity and revenue. And so to your point, you know, esports fans do have it great. We can watch Twitch or YouTube or Facebook for free in general. We might subscribe to our favorite caster to support them because, you know, we're part of their community. But I agree with you that esports betting provides a really unique aspect to the consumer spending around esports in general because there really isn't any other way 
to engage in the opportunity to win money unless you're wagering in, you know, on your favorite esport event. So I do think we'll continue to see that to be by far the biggest area of consumer spending in esports for the foreseeable future until someone invents some absolutely new way to engage with and monetize the fan base. That's definitely coming in the future. And I know esports organizations are banking on that. I wrote a feature for Esports Insider about a month ago. I talked with Andy Miller, the CEO of NRG, and Jason Lake, the CEO of Complexity. And they're both like, yeah, we're going to figure out those profitability models. We're not there yet, uh, but we're going to adapt and we're going to figure them out. So that's absolutely coming in the future. Before we get into more of a granular, how do we make money in esports competition? I want to look at that esports handle and where the money's coming from. I had an interesting, as I read the NYT piece that you were quoted in, I had an interesting moment as I read the comments from Joe Asher. He's the CEO of William Hill. And earlier, about, I think, a month before they did that interview, I wrote a piece for the Washington Post about the rise of esports betting. Yeah, take that, NYT. Scooped you. Uh, (laughs) And I talked to Joe. And Joe, when I talked to him, was pretty dismissive of esports betting. He said that bettors cared more about table tennis and Belarusian soccer. And in the NYT piece, he talked about all the action that esports has brought in. So I'm curious, did esports, as the pandemic continued on, really start appealing to that average sports better in a way that it might not have happened at the beginning, but a month, a month and a half into the pandemic, the average sports better was like, okay... I'm going to check out this esports thing because I really, it, his comments, and again, these are small comments based on a much larger interview I'm sure they did and that I did with him. But his comments definitely showed a change in opinion. Uh, is that something that, that you've seen from the average sports better? You mentioned at the top about how it's hard to bring people into esports, but people love to bet on things. And three weeks is easier to go without betting than a month and a half uh, and even longer than that as we've, as we've sat in this pandemic. So has the average better changed their opinion on esports a little bit? So I think not only have the average better, but as you pointed out, the operators and books have as well. And I've been communicating with Joe during this this time as well and ways that Gameco and William Hill can, can align to grow our businesses. And I think a lot of it comes down to education. So the reality is there has often been small handle on esports betting. And it's worth talking about why that is so that we can solve it as opposed to just dismissing it because of one blip on the radar. So why? Well, often these events are approved only days or weeks before the event actually happens. There's no ability to market to this customer. Many of these operators and books simply don't have the expertise to reach this audience. They don't know about communicating on Twitch or Reddit. They don't know about producing content on YouTube or social media to engage this audience. They don't know who the influencers are. And I think that's where a company like Gameco can come in. Our DNA is all about bringing video games to the casino and working in the video games and esports industry. And so I think we're seeing a big shift because people are starting to think about, well, what could we be doing differently or better? How could we be innovating to tap into this market? 
And certainly the, the lack of traditional sports has given some breathing room to this conversation. That said, at Gameco, we're seeing an interesting alternative trend that's a little bit different than that. And it's creating some great opportunity for Gameco in the market, which is because of the PASPA repeal a little more than two years ago and states legalizing sports betting and now thankfully increasingly legalizing iGaming as well, operators and books are really consumed rolling out into new jurisdictions with traditional sports. And granted, they should start there because today it is the bigger market for them. And that's creating space in the U.S. market for Gameco to partner with these casinos and sports books and be their end-to-end turnkey full-stack solution. So we've developed multiple partnerships with technology companies on the esports betting side where we can now work under Gameco's gaming licenses in various jurisdictions and go to an operator that says, I really want to get into esports, but I don't know much about it. I don't have time to learn about it. I don't have the resources to support it. It all seems a little foreign to me, but I know I want to do it. How can we do it? And Gameco can come in and be their true side-by-side partner. So we're licensed just the same way they are. We have a complete solution and we know how to market to and attract and monetize this audience in partnership with the casino and sports book. So I think we're seeing a real shift in the overall business, both at the corporate and operator and partnership level, as well as you pointed out at the consumer level where a traditional sports better or a traditional sports fan is now being exposed to these games and saying, wow, this is pretty cool. And a big part of that, and this is something I've spoken about for years, is breaking down stereotypes. The old stereotype that gamers are teenagers in their parents' basement, that was me decades ago. And I'm not going to say how many decades, but many decades ago. Today, the average gamer is 33 years old. The average esports better is in their early 20s to 25. This is a great market to capitalize on for casinos and sports books. They've got plenty of products to appeal to older demographics, but video games and esports are the product for casinos and sports book operators to engage with this younger audience who is going to be their future audience. And I think it's fair to say, if you're 25 or 30 and playing video games today, you're going to continue to be a fan of video games and esports for the rest of your life. That's one of the big attitude shifts. As you talk about the old stereotypes, those stereotypes existed for a reason and they led to people dropping video games. My dad talks about how he was a a champion Miss Pac-Man player, but I don't think he's played a video game in 15 years. And that was a thing that people that used to happen is you play video games for a while but then you drop them and that's not happening anymore. I'm never going to stop playing video games. They're awesome. And video games just keep getting cooler and cooler over time. Graphics keep changing. Stories keep getting better. I'm always going to be in the video game world. And that's something that you're reaching a young demo now, but you're also not going to lose that demo. As you said, the average gamer is 33 now. If that number is only going to keep increasing, I guess. I think everyone's just going to be aware of video games 
playing video games for the foreseeable future. And that's definitely been a shift in those attitudes. And for some of the old guard, it's something that there used to be a abandonment of video games as people grew up. And so for a lot of the old guard, they still expect that to happen. And it's just not happening, especially in the betting world. That's incredibly important as you have to make sure that the people who you're catering to are of legal betting age. And so you don't want to cater to people who are going to drop video games. And so understanding that, hey, they're going to keep playing these games after they turn 18, after they turn 21, they can go inside casinos and they can play all these games. So I think that's something that some of the old guard needs to change. And the pandemic, again, to Joe Asher's comments, I think highlighted that, oh, wow, there's there's a lot of handle to be made here. And it sort of took the the loss of sports, the the slowdown of some of the, the expansions to other states and state betting to highlight the esports opportunity on a more grand scale. I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, back to the point that you made about, you know, the proliferation of video games and, you know, people sticking with it and the average age is, is definitely going to continue to rise, albeit, you know, on a fairly slow pace because, the uh, bottom of the funnel is growing too, right? Kids that grow up now, my friends that have kids, all they want to do is play Minecraft and Roblox. And then they grow up into, you know, more advanced sports games or, uh, you know, things like that. And then they might grow up into action and MOBA games. And so there's a lot happening there in terms of the overall expansion of the industry. Video games is by far the largest entertainment industry. I believe 2007 was the last year that opening week for a movie was bigger than opening week in that year for a video game. According to the ESA, 65% of U.S. households are quote-unquote gamer households. This is mainstream entertainment. It is the largest entertainment industry in the world. And I don't see that changing in the future. Again, games continue to get better. There continues to be tons of innovation in games. And I'm not just talking about graphic quality and new consoles and faster PCs. I'm talking about innovation around game genres, game themes, the type of games, how people interact with each other. There is no limit to the innovation that's happening in the video game and esports industry. Yeah, that innovation is why so many people in esports and gaming are confident that we're going to figure out those paths to profitability because gaming by nature has been so innovative over the years that expecting more innovation isn't foolish. It's actually pretty much guaranteed to continue happening. And it's a cool space to be in as you know it's going to keep evolving and we're going to keep bringing new people in and hopefully we figure out some of those broadcast things that allow the average person to understand what's happening on screen a bit better. But there's just confidence across esports that we're going to figure that out, much like social media did too, where they were operating at a loss for so long. They're like, we're going to figure it out. And they did eventually. Um, how they did that is a little sketchy, but they they did it. And they, they started making a lot of money. And now social media is key to what we do today. And that's gaming in a few years as well. It's already arguably a reach that point uh, and then we just have more time so i want to be conscious of your time here and wrap up the show a little bit can you talk a little bit you know i think we've covered quite a few things that gameco is doing the different branches of the company 
focusing on esports betting on this partnership with Grid. Uh, but can you plug the company directly? What what they should be following? What they should be looking out for uh, in the future from Gameco? Sure. Well, always check us out on social media. We work with some great fashion and culture folks to communicate our brand, particularly on on Instagram. We have the best slate of games we have ever produced for land-based and iGaming casinos coming out in 2020. And probably the biggest innovation that we've created is a technology that we call Gamer's Edge. And this is in both our new land-based games and iGaming products. Gamer's Edge is the culmination of our entire five years of development. And what it does is it allows skilled players to win more money but average players still have a great gaming and gambling experience and guarantees the house a fixed hold percentage over time. And this is something that's taken us, as I mentioned, multiple years of R&D, working through game development, game design, and the math behind it to bring to market. We've had games with Gamer's Edge out during our Nevada field trial and in some other jurisdictions. And what we see is more time on device, more bets and bigger wins for the players, but bigger wins for the casino as well. So this is probably the thing that we're most excited about. And now that we're able to include it in our online games as well, we're just finishing up the first batch of online games. These will be released first in Europe and then in North America and other regulated iGaming jurisdictions, we're starting with match three games. And our first game is a match three game called Scarlet's Heart, which is a new IP that we developed ourselves internally. Match three games are the most popular video game genre worldwide. But now we combine that with the gambling experience powered by Gamer's Edge. So that's probably the thing we're most excited about as we move into the second half of 2020. That's definitely important too, when it comes to gaming, there's so much skill discrepancy that uh, it was always hard to hold those competitions between friends. I was actually just at the park yesterday, getting some shots up. They put the rims back in our local park. They actually took down the rims and the nets on the basketball court. And some kids were sitting next to him. And I, I heard this kid trying to goad his friend into putting money on NBA 2K. And he's like, I'll give you two to one, three to one, trying to get his friend to play. And his friend's just like, no, no, I'm not going to play you. And so having that edge aspect of it is really smart because people know who's good at a game and it's hard to get them to put money on it if they don't feel like they're getting some sort of uh, benefit back to them, a little bit of uh, advantage slash coming back to them. I thought it was funny and relates right to, to that product that GameCode's releasing. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. And as I said, we're coming up on the fifth generation of our games in five years since we started development and only four years since we put our first game out, November 2016, in an industry where it takes us about nine months to develop a game, get it through certification and out into the market. So I'm so proud of the team at Gameco for being a agile iterative technology company in an industry where innovation often comes very slowly. And the fact that we've been able to listen to the players, listen to the casino customers, 
and innovate on the product, solving new challenges in each generation of our games is probably the thing I'm most proud of about the team and culture at GameCo. I love it. I'm really looking forward to seeing what GameCo does in the future. Uh, so many cool things on the horizon for gaming and casinos and for esports betting as a whole. So excited to see what they do. If you, one of our listeners, want to follow along with GameCo and the cool products they're releasing, I'll be linking all their socials below this. And you should follow them. Check them out. I'll follow Blaine as well. He's one of the thought leaders in the esports betting and gamification in casinos. It's a fun topic and something that's going to be on the forefront of casinos after, even after we leave this pandemic as they see the demand for esports betting and for capturing that younger audience. So be sure to check out those links down below this podcast to see more of what GameCo is doing. Blaine, thank you so much for joining the show. It was great talking to you. Great to talk to you, Mitch, and stay safe. And I wish everyone the best. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Really awesome to talk with you. Uh, if you want more esports content, you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to listen to some of our other recent episodes. We covered esports, healthcare, and some of the misconceptions around gamer health. That one's released right now. And next week, we're going to be talking Valorant a little bit, bringing back a CSGO journalist talking about Valorant and CSGO. So be on the lookout for that one in the future. For now, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show.